What's going on, Hardliners? Welcome to His Hardline for another episode of 1% with Him. Remember, every day we need to spend at least minimum 15 minutes with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Dig a little bit in the Bible and spend a little time in prayer, you know what I mean? If you can't do that, just join us here at His Hardline. We'll get it done. Drop. And don't forget to check out our website, www.hisheartline.com. We're happy to have you. Let's get started. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you're at in the world. It is Thursday, October 6, 2022, and I am Jason, your co-host with God and Jesus Christ at my side because they are the hosts, they are the ones in charge, and they are the ones that are at the wheel of this ship, and they're steering this ship through these crazy chaotic waters that we call life, the storm. And like I always say, we always need to make sure that we rest our trust and faith in God and Jesus Christ, and they they will steer our personal vessel into a safe harbor so that we can anchor and get on solid dry land. So welcome. Glad to have you all here. So I tell you, it's been uh, it's been kind of a crazy week for me. It's been very, very hectic and busy with work. My schedule is a little bit uh, flip flopped around for the time being, um, not permanently, but just for, you know, the moment um, until further notice. So I won't be having a podcast tomorrow morning, which I typically do on Fridays, which is the Brandenburg block hour that we usually do at 8 a.m. So just, you know, it's more work related um, just because of what we got going on. Like I said, I haul fuel for some of you out there that don't know. Um, We've been having it's just been very interesting. I'm not going to get really into too much of the weeds and the details of the struggles that we've been dealing with, uh, you know, in the oil and gas industry here. But um, my schedule has changed up a little bit. So I'll be working um, on a schedule that I'm typically not working. So but that's OK. It's all good. Not a big deal. Um, like I said, but good thing is it's not a permanent thing. So but anyways, glad to have you all here today. Today, for today's episode of 1% with him here at His Our Line, we're going to be reading out of the book of Psalm chapter 38. And so, but before I get into the reading, my wife and I and uh, my, my daughter, we were watching this movie on Pure Flix called uh, The Ultimate Life. Now, there's a three-part, there's three movies. The first one is called The Ultimate, uh, let me think now, The Ultimate Inheritance. That's the first one that came out. And then the second one is called The Ultimate Life. And then the third one is The Ultimate Legacy. All great movies. Now, The Ultimate Life, when we watch that, this is really interesting because there's a scene in the movie where these uh, a young kid and then there's another guy, another, what do you want to call it? Uh, I guess you could call it a hobo, right? Just one of those train hoppers that rides across the nation, you know, on trains back in and this setting takes place back in like the forties, I believe it was. And so, uh, but anyway, so they, they're, they're on the train and, uh, the, the young man who ran away from home to, you know, go seek out work. And his whole dream is to be a billionaire like Andrew, Andrew Carnegie. And, you know, cause he grew up as a poor kid and anyway, so he ran away from home to, you know, seek better opportunity and to make money to send back home because his mother was sick. Well, anyway, there's a scene that I'm going to play. It's very, very important because 
he wakes up and he sees the, um, the the black guy that he was riding in this train car with. And he sees him sitting. I'm just kind of painting the imagery before I play it. He sees him kind of staring out the open, you know, rail car door, just kind of looking out in the sky. And he's kind of writing with his finger in the air. And so the young man says to the guy, he says, what are you doing? And then, of course, he goes into his explanation. So I want you guys to hear this because this is so very important. It goes back to the whole lesson of why gratitude for everything, gratitude to God for everything is so important. So listen to this. What are you doing? I'm uh, making my golden list. Your what? My golden list. Something my mom taught me. Every day, rain or shine, I make a list of 10 things that I'm grateful to God for. Things I'm grateful for. Yeah, right. I got lots of things to be grateful for. Everybody got at least 10 things to be grateful for. I got nothing. You sure about that? Sure as I could be. You got your health right. I'll be grateful someday. No, no. You gotta be grateful now. You gotta be grateful for the little things in life. Otherwise, you'll never be grateful for nothing. You know what? Come on, we gotta get off the train before we hit the yard. Now you really got something to be grateful for. We in Texas. Yeah, so he he calls it his golden list. And that's one thing that I always do on a daily basis. I have a journal that I write in every day. And even I know I don't quite get into 10 things. Some days I get into 10 plus things. And then there's days where I just write maybe three to five. But that was one thing that I always encourage people to do. If you have a journal, if you don't have a journal, go get one. You can go to Barnes and Noble and pick up a really good, solid, hardcover journal, something that's reliable, not those composition notebooks that fall apart on you, but a good, solid journal. You can find a good quality one for a good, you know, $15, maybe 20 if you want, you know, something solid. Um, but, you know, get a good gratitude journal because a gratitude journal is so relevant. It's kind of like almost a mixture of a prayer journal and a, and a gratitude journal because, you know, when you're thankful to God for things that you have, even little things like he was saying, everybody has something to be grateful for. And like he said, he demonstrated the first thing that I always say thank you for in my journal, and that's good health. Because he says to the young man, you got your health, don't you? You're standing upright, you're vertical, are you not? You're breathing air through your lungs. You're able to see, you're able to hear, you're able to smell, right? Those are things that we can be grateful for. And the reason I bring this up is because we're in such a weird time now where there's so much going on. Gas prices are going higher and higher. You know, OPEC just announced just the other day a kind of a historic announcement, basically, that they've, you know, ever made. And that was, you know, the slashing of production of two, uh, what was it, two million barrels of oil a day they're you know they're cutting back on that's a big that's going to be a big big um game changer and what do you you know what do i mean by that well things are about to get more expensive definitely here stateside you know when it comes to gas and diesel and what happens when things become more expensive like fuel and diesel well just like let's look at the cascading you know snowball effect for example if diesel goes up as well as gas well, let's just look at diesel for a minute semi trucks and trains as well as planes now planes yeah there planes run on jet fuel but it's still a form of diesel 
believe it or not. It's got a different mixture to it. And I know this because I hauled jet fuel when I was in Kentucky. But ultimately, planes, trains, and semis run on diesel. Now, when diesel cost goes up, shipping cost will go up. And if shipping costs go up, that means the cost of food and other, you know, goods go up. Clothing, all that stuff goes up. And so as things become more pricey, people are going to start becoming more and more strapped than they already are. We're seeing a downward, you know, spy, we're starting to see a downward uh, spiral in the housing market now because, you know, it's things are getting too expensive the Federal Reserve keeps increasing rates, and quite frankly, they have no choice but to increase rates. And because the thing is, is we're about to see, I think, one of the greatest historic uh, economic depressions, I think, that we will have ever seen since even the, the first Great Depression. But like I said, no matter what's going on, no matter how crazy inflation gets, no matter what's going on the, in the world, we always need to be grateful like I was just saying, we always need to find everything to be grateful for, even little things. The stupidest of things that you would never think to be grateful for. Well, Jason, what do you mean the stupidest little things? Well, I don't know. Maybe the ability to write like a pen. It's a simple tool that we are so used to buying at just the whim of whenever we want. You can go to a gas station and buy a pen or a Walmart, whatever. You can buy a pen anywhere. But you go in some of the most remote places in the world where, you know, true poverty is, you know, really set in. And a pen is probably one of the most valuable things anyone could probably own. But here we take that for granted, the ability to write, having pen and paper. You know, that's also a lost art writing letters to our friends and family members. We're so used to doing email and direct messaging and texting, right? FaceTime, all that nonsense. I think we've all forgotten a great lost art of writing a letter. Well, somebody who listens to the show, actually, he sent us, my, my wife, myself, and our daughter, um, him and his daughter, they do these, um, I believe, I'm, I'm not quite sure how they do it. If it's something, if it's similar to what my coworker does, I think they have like a sublimation machine. And so they make these, these coffee mugs and they made one, um, three of them to be exact for me, my wife and my daughter. And <clears throat> they, they sent us the mugs, but in the mugs was a personal handwritten note for me for my wife and for my daughter. And as much and as grateful as I was for the mugs, the coffee mugs, their travel mugs, the personal intimate handwritten note was probably the most valuable thing and the thing that kind of brought me the most joy in all honesty. Why? Because again, we live in an environment where everything's electronically charged and operated. Nobody knows how to sit down at the dinner table with a stationary, which people, you say that, a stationary, people probably look at you like, what the heck's a stationary? Nobody doesn't sit down anymore unless you're someone of an older generation who's grown up doing that. Nobody, I should say, that's in the millennial or the, um, you know, the Z, you know, the generation Z, you know, millennials, I should say anyone that's like 40 and under doesn't really know how to write letters, you know? Um, it's a sad, it's really sad to be quite honest with you, but 
That's what I'm talking about. Being grateful for little things like that, friendship, companionship. Those are true things to be grateful for. So just remember that as we get into more chaotic and turbulent times, I'm not trying to scare anybody, but it is going to get worse. And what that looks like, I don't know. I have an idea in my head, but it would be pretty irresponsible of me to give you what my ideas of what I think it's going to look like out here in the air. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to stoke the fires of fear. I don't. All I can tell you is rely on God, trust in God, put your faith in God and invite Christ in your heart daily and just trust everything will be fine. So now let's get into the reading. So Psalm 38 out of the new American standard Bible. And it reads, Lord, do not rebuke me in your wrath. Do not punish me in your burning anger. For your arrows have sunk deep into me and your hand has pressed down on me. There is no healthy part in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my guilty deeds have gone over my head. Like a heavy burden, they weigh too much for me. My wounds grow foul and fat and fester because of my foolishness. I am bent over and greatly bowed down. I go in mourning all day long, for my signs are filled with burning, and there is no healthy part in my flesh. I feel faint and badly crushed. I groan because of my agitation of my heart. Lord, all my desires before you and my sighing is not hidden from you. My heart throbs, my strength fails me, and the light of my eyes, even that has gone from me. My loved ones and my friends stand aloof from my plague, and my kinsmen stand far away. Those who seek my life lay snares for me, and those who seek to injure me have threatened destruction, and they plot deception all day long. But I, like a person who is deaf, do not hear, and I am like a person who cannot speak, who does not open his mouth. Yes, I am like a person who can, who does not hear, and in whose mouth are no arguments. For I wait for you, Lord, you will answer, Lord my God. For I said, may they not rejoice over me, who when my foot slips would exalt themselves over me. For I am ready to fall, and my sorrows is continually before me, for I admit my guilt. I am full of anxiety because of my sin. But my enemies are vigorous and strong, and those who wrongfully hate me are many. And those who repay evil for good, they become my enemies because I follow what is good. Do not abandon me, Lord. My God, do not be afar from me. Hurry to help me, Lord, my salvation. And that is the reading of chapter 38, and it's verses 1 through 22. Now, as another reminder, as we're getting closer to ver- uh, chapter 41, 41 is going to be the last book of the first book of Psalms. There's three books in the book of Psalms. So like I said, when we complete 41, we're going to take a break from Psalms. We're going to move forward to the New Testament, kind of spend some time over there, and then eventually we'll make our way back to Psalms. We'll do the second book, take a break, And then we'll go back and do some more, and then we'll conclude with the final book of Psalms. So now what does chapter 38 mean in in this um, chapter of Psalms? So Psalm 38 contains references like those found in Psalm 32, depicting the effects of sin and the pain a believer feels under God's conviction. And it's possible 
that this passage was composed in response to David's sin with Bathsheba. And so he lured her into adultery, impregnated her, and then attempted to cover the crime by arranging for her husband to die in battle. And Psalm 51 expresses David's intense remorse for this episode. Now here, he described the anguish that he feels due to God's corrective rebuke. And so this psalm begins with an appeal for God's forgiveness and a reference to the Lord's rebuke. Now, the first metaphor speaks of David's being pierced by arrows. And this is symbolic, and it actually suggests that other complaints that, uh, excuse me, and it suggests the other complaint areas, um, the complaints areas well. And so the theme of the psalm is David's intense misery. He feels this because of his sin for which God's hand is moving against him. And so David uses imagery of illness and weakened bones and overwhelming burdens, rotting flesh, crippling ailments, mourning, fever, and of course, loss of strength. And so these symptoms are attributed to the anguish of David's heart. Now, speaking of all of this, by the way, I do want to say I do appreciate everybody's uh, prayers and kind words from a couple weeks back, about a week or two back. Uh, my dad was in the hospital. Um, it was like about a week ago. He was in the hospital. Um, he, it has been something that he'd been dealing with, I believe, since the end of July, early August. And it turned out he had kidney stones. Anyway, long story short, he was admitted to the hospital. They were thinking he had kidney failure and sepsis, and there was a lot of other things going on. He finally was released this past, um, last week, Thursday, I believe. Yeah, last week, Thursday, he was released. Um, he had a, a, a ton of IVs that were hooked up to him. He showed me, he sent me a picture of it, and it looked like a tree of IVs, literally a tree. There were so many bags on this thing. And anyway, he had to be sent home with an IV bag. And, and so he has to hook up an IV three times a day to himself um, at home. And so, but he is home. He is getting better. And I do want to say thank you to anybody out there that was saying prayers for him. I really appreciate that. And like I said, he lives in Wisconsin, so I haven't been able to see him. Um, him and I, believe it or not, long, little little side note, maybe I'll explain this story in a different time, different show. But him and I had a falling out. So we haven't talked very much in the last two and a half years. But uh, uh, different show, get into that in a different show. But anyway, but that's why I always say we need to be always be grateful for our good health, because, you know, when you lose your health, that's when you start realizing, man, I can't do anything else in life without my health. You can't make money. You can't, you know, enjoy your your spouse. Right. You can't um, go to the movies. You can't wash your car. Heck, you can't even go to the bathroom without having assistance. I mean, it's amazing what having poor health will do to a man or woman when you lose it. You lose all sense of functionality, really. And so anyway, but back to <clears throat> Psalm 38 and its meaning. So despite his misery, David knows that he has not been abandoned by God. And he is experiencing the correction which comes through guilt and shame of sin. And this causes his heart to hammer in his chest and his vision to blur. Now, friends have turned their backs on David, possibly due to his sin or to his sudden collapse or both. And his enemies would relish the opportunity to take advantage of a scandal. Now, David is all but deaf and mute, making no answer to those who criticize him. And this might be because his suffering has rendered him incapable. Now, the other possibility is that David chooses not to answer, which is what I think is the case. 
out of humility and acceptance of God's will. And I'll tell you what, that takes a very strong man if you choose not to answer. But he is fully aware of his own sin. And he recognizes he recognizes that God alone can bring him out of the situation. David makes no demands, but he humbly appeals to the Lord. And as part of this, he openly confesses his sin and declares his repentance. And he ends the psalm with another plea for God's mercy. Even in this, he expresses faithful hope that God is his salvation. And so, you know, this is this is this was also another topic that my wife and myself and my mother-in-law we were getting into this morning when we went to go pick up my daughter, because this is something that it's an area that my wife and I fully um, we we I don't want to say disagree on. Well, yeah, no, we disagree on. I mean, it's a healthy disagreement, but we definitely don't see eye to eye on. Like I said, when it comes to um, declaring repentance, right, and confessing your sins, you know, because she grew up in the Catholic faith no pun intended, but religiously, right? I mean, she went to Catholic school from K through 12, uh, went to the same Catholic church her whole entire life. In fact, we got married in that Catholic church. You know, she always believes that you need to, you know, because she feels like she has mortal sin on her heart, that she feels like she needs to go to a priest and confess her sins. I said, well, no, that is not so. I said, because here's the thing. Again, like I think I've said this already on another show, so I apologize if I sound like a skipping record. But like I said, not everybody in the world is a Catholic and not everybody in the world has access to a priest. I'm sorry. No, even if everybody wanted to go to a priest, you know how impossible it would be for the very limited small number of priests around the world to see every single man and woman in the world to hear the confession of sins, it would almost be virtually impossible because the minute, the minute someone would leave confession, right? If you look at the, I guess, I don't know if you want to call it the law of numbers, but the minute a man or a woman leaves confession, clearly they're going to sin again. I mean, we live in a fallen world. We all were born with sin. And that's one of the reasons why Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, right? That blood that was shed for us was to wash away the sins of the world. We were bought for with a price, and that price was for the life of Christ, his sacrifice for us because of the fallen world that we live in. And so, you know, the thing is, is even if every man and woman around the world saw a priest for forgiveness, right, to go confess their sins and to do penance and all that good stuff, the minute they walk out of that chapel or wherever, right, at some point they're going to sin again. And now they got to get back at the back of the line and wait for their turn because there's over 8 billion people in the world and probably what? I don't know. Only a few hundred thousand priests. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just guessing. I don't know. Maybe 50,000 in the world. Maybe 10,000. I don't know how many priests there are. But you can't tell me that. In order to get to heaven and to have a pure, clean heart and to be cleansed of sin, you have to go see a priest. Because if that were the case, there'd be a lot of people sitting in hell. And then that brings up the question of purgatory, which that's another thing. Like that's There's nothing that says anything about purgatory in the Bible. If anything, the closest thing that actually might resemble purgatory, and I forgot what book it's in, but when it was the book, it was the story about the rich man and the poor man, right? Lazarus, Lazarus and the, uh, the poor man, right? Where, you know, the dogs were licking the poor man's wounds and the rich guy, um, you know, he, he, you know, he just would always step over the poor man. Right. And and when both of them finally died, the poor man was in heaven and the and, and the rich man was pretty much down in hell. And it explains in that book that there was a, ch- a chasm that separated the two. Right. 
and that chasm, neither one could cross over. So if anything, if there's any type of a semblance of a quote unquote purgatory, that's really the only reference in the Bible that I could see any type of reference of purgatory. But outside of that, there's really nothing in the Bible that talks about purgatory. And this is why I disagree so strongly with the Catholic faith. Like I said, I grew up Catholic and I have nothing against the Catholic religion. I have a lot of problems with the Catholic leadership, just like in our own country, right in DC. I mean, there's, you got bad leaders in a lot of good organizations. Now, although the lay people and the people in the bottom of the, you know, of the food chain, if you will, and these organizations might have pure hearts and really seek the heart of Christ. But, you know, when you when you get deep higher up in the leadership, you got a lot of corruption, you got a lot of sickos and you got a lot of pedophiles and just a lot of nasty, satanic, ritualistic, evil scum. But regardless of who's in leadership, at the end of the day, I do not really subscribe to the ritualistic tendencies of not just Catholic faith, but really any faith, Mormons, Lutheran, Protestant. I mean, at the end of the day, if it's not in the Bible, then I don't really follow it. My wife is like, yeah, but with confession and doing this and that, it's, you know, tradition. I said, yeah, but again, you just said something key, tradition. That tradition is a man-made thing. God doesn't make tradition. Man makes tradition. God didn't make religion. Man made religion, just like man made politics. Politics and religion divide people. And I cannot subscribe to something that is a divisive mechanism for man. I cannot do that. But anyway, so I, I, I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole there. But anyway, but again, because it was just saying, you know, as part of this, he, you know, David was confessing his sins and declared his repentance. That's the only way that I believe that, you know, that we can, you know, be forgiven. I don't say only way, but, you know, that's the way that I think everybody has at their disposal is through a sincere, intimate relation, relationship with God in Christ and talking with God like he's a friend, asking for that forgiveness, right? Because not everybody in the world is going to have the ability to see a priest. And I told my wife, I said, look, I'm not telling you not to go see a priest. If you feel it in your heart that that's what you need to do, then go. Because I think at the end of the day, God is looking at everybody's heart. And he sees the sincerity and the true remorse that each man and woman has for the sins that they've committed. Now, whether if you go see a priest or whether if you just go directly to God himself, as long as your heart is pure and your words of, you know, the request for forgiveness are not just shallow words, but there is a true remorse behind those words, I think we will be forgiven. That's just my take. But anyway... So that is all we have for the day. I'm glad you all joined us here. Like I said, I apologize for the inconsistency in um, live broadcast. It has been a crazy week with work. It's going to continuously get crazy um, because we got equipment that keeps going down and it's harder to get parts. And this is kind of a general consistent theme that we're seeing across the nation um, with parts in general for cars, semis, trailers. Some companies have put in orders for new trucks and trailers and they have not seen them yet. So I don't know what's going on, but here's what I do know. At the end of the day, we will be just fine. We need to count our blessings. And uh, at the end of the day, we'll, you know, you just, you just gotta stand strong. So let's do a prayer and then we'll be back here for another quick uh, His Heart Line discussion here. See here, make sure I don't have this too loud for the music here because I have a, ten a tendency of doing that. There we go. All right. So, Heavenly Father, 
We thank you for another day of life and good health. I cannot stress that enough. We thank you for our good health because without our health, we have nothing else. As I've always said, our health is our first wealth. And we can't accomplish anything else. We can't serve your people. We can't utilize the gift that you've put in us from the very moment of conception if we don't have our good health. We can't proclaim the name of you and your son loudly and proudly without our good health, without a voice. And so we always pray continuously for good health, not just for myself and our family, but all the listeners here. For all people around the world who seek your son's heart. And people that are not aware of seeking your son's heart yet. That's why we're here. So we just pray that you bring whoever you see fit to this channel. So we can help. Well, we can just help people invite Christ in their heart. Planting seeds, sowing seeds. That's all we want to do. Again, without our good health, we can't sow seeds. So we just want to say thank you. Thank you, thank you. And we pray all this in your holy son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so that is all we have for today. I will be back here in about five, six minutes um, for a quick His Hardline discussion. Nothing too crazy um, because this is my only day off this week. And then I got a six-day stretch ahead of me. So it's going to be a a fantastic time for Jason um, going over, you know, starting with tomorrow. It's going to be great. In fact, I was just reading too, speaking of stuff like, you know, the supply chain issues and waiting for parts, Destry, who... <clears throat> He works on rigs up there in Alaska, and he was saying they could not get new U-bolts for axles for two months. And this is the thing that, again, we have to be very aware of. You got to take good care of your vehicles, folks, because there's no guarantee. Like we're, we've always been used to and accustomed to having everything and anything at our disposal because we've always had a worldwide global supply chain that always gave us anything and everything at an, almost any given moment. But now... We're kind of entering into a different world, a world where we really have to start preserving what we have and what we're using. I mean, U-bolts. U-bolts are typically not a thing that you should have to wait two months for. Tires are not something that you typically should have to wait for. But these are things that I think is going to start growing more and more on the scarcity level. And again, I'm not trying to instill any type of fear, but what I am trying to tell you is be prepared, take better care of what you already have, be grateful for what you already have, and let's weather this storm together because what's going to come is going to be quite challenging, but, but, I'm not going to end on that negative note. I will say this, but where we will be headed is going to be much better and much greater than where we were with these evil, tyrannical, dictator, Satanist who ran and operated this nation and, in a way, our lives from D.C. and at the state level. See, that was their trap. Get us, get us relying on a system of convenience so that... We would always be dependent on them, basically a child always being on the mama's teat from birth to 18. We can't do that. We have to wean ourselves from this evil system and start learning to be men and women of 
independence again, not dependence, but of independence. We need to start being men of men and women of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? We need to be men and women of accountability and taking ownership of our lives again and not relying on a system. I'm not an investor or an investment advisor or anybody like that. I just full disclosure, but you might also want to get some silver, physical silver in your own hands, because I'm telling you right now, I called my silver guy today. I have two different silver dealers that I, that I do business with. And one of them said, you know, cause I was calling on behalf of my mother-in-law. She feels like she doesn't have a sufficient amount of silver yet. Me, I want to buy more, but I'm also trying to save up, you know, more cash, you know, kind of rebuild my cash reserves, even though I think it's all going to go in the toilet here anyways by the end of the year. But, you know, I always try to make sure that I keep a sufficient amount of cash just in case of a catastrophic event. You just never know if you need a transmission or a new engine, you know, you need to drop three, four grand. And if I don't want to buy a new car, you know what I mean? You just, you never know. So I try to keep a sufficient amount of cash for, you know, dire emergencies. So I don't really want to part ways with any more cash for silver at the moment. But my, my mother-in-law was feeling like she was deficient in silver. So I called for her, one of my silver guys. And I said, Hey, how you, you know, how, how's inventory looking? He's like, well, he goes, I was about a hundred ounces away from completely running out. But then my shipment came in and I got another 500. Now, ladies and gentlemen, 600 ounces really is not a lot to be quite honest with you. 600 ounces is not a lot. You get uh, five customers in a day that want 100 ounces each, that, that inventory will get scarfed up quickly. I would know because I was one of those customers. So my mother-in-law went in there and bought. So anyway, I, when I was in our conversation, make a long story short so we can hang it up. I asked him, I said, how's it looking? He goes, well, he goes, I'm good for today. Um, I got a couple more shipments that I have confirmed that are going to be hitting my store this week. And I think once next week, he goes, but, but, um, he goes, we're going to get to a point where we're going to have to start putting in orders in advance because he goes, I'm not able to get inventory. And he says, I see some big things changing. I believe in my humble estimation by the end of the month in silver. So I don't know quite what that means. The imagination can only speculate, but all I'm telling you is. If you have a little extra cash, even if it's only three, four hundred dollars, or hell, even if it's only, I don't know, even if it's only a hundred dollars, that'll still get you three or four, maybe five ounces, depending. But I would I would guess about four ounces, depending if it's about 23, 24 bucks an ounce, 25. And I'll still get you about four ounces. Well, Jason, what's four ounces gonna do for me? Well, I don't know. But if the uh I'm not gonna call them experts because I hate the word experts, but if the silver, the guys, the men and women who follow the silver markets very closely and have followed the history and and have actually done the research on where silver's true value should be at, I don't know if silver, it's anticipated that silver could possibly be up to, you know, could possibly go up to, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand dollars an ounce. Something you bought for a hundred bucks could possibly yield you maybe 30, 20, 10, 20, 30 grand. I don't know. That's 10, 20, 30 grand that you wouldn't have had otherwise. But there's other things you can buy. Ammo, water. Destry was just saying, you know, you can buy a few bushels of beans because food is very valuable too. 
So anyway, but that's all I got. Like I said, remember, I'm not an investment advisor. Full disclosure, you should all know that by now. I'm a truck driver who hauls fuel. <laughs> so anyway, that is all we have for today. Remember, here it is, Hardline. We are firm and we are steadfast and we are uncompromising. And with that enemy, we will always push that enemy back on their side. We're tired of the enemy. The enemy is not going to continue to cross that boundary anymore. It's time to stand up and fight. How do we fight? Well, we fight with the sword of spirit, God's word. That's why we spend at least minimum 1% of our 24-hour 24 24-hour day with our Lord and Savior in prayer and reading a little scripture. So till then and the next time, we will see you then. And hopefully you'll join us on the other side for a His Heartline discussion. All right. Have a good night or day wherever you're at in the world. Bye-bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the day. Thank you for joining us here at His Heartline. Remember, we need to spend at least 15 minutes each day with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is literally 1% of our time on a daily basis. Spend a little time in the Bible. Spend some time in prayer. And you'd be amazed what Jesus will do to you. Drop. out our website www.hishardline.com for all the latest updates.